What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Hi there, it's Paul, and you're listening to What the Footy, the football business podcast that goes behind the scenes and gives fans, industry experts, athletes, aspiring sports professionals, and more unrivaled insight into football, business, and how the beautiful game is evolving. Here is what I have lined up for you today. We only see players as football players, but we don't see them as human beings. So how can brands or organisations humanise these guys by showing us the behind the scenes, showing us their stories, their kind of personal side of things as well. So I think that's a, that's a huge opportunity there as well, but also... I hope you love it. Not like it, I hope you love it. So if you're locked in and listening, give the pod a follow and a five-star review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go! New Samala that likes me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now it's a putting off. Powerful people and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. So when in the league, let's just win this to appease the fans. Good to have you here today, Matt and Shubs, man. How are you guys doing? Pleasure to be here, man. Pleasure to be here. Always tuned into your podcast, so it's it's amazing to finally have the chance to to be here and, and actually speak. No, for sure, exactly that. No, it's good to good to have you both here. Diverse media in the building. Uh, <laughs> the question the question that I start off the show with all the time is: What is football to you, a business or a sport, and why, Shubs? I'll start off with you. Yeah, cool. Um, so. Football to me is a sport, but I never really grew up loving football as much as I do now. So I think it's a sport and a business. Like everyone always says on the show, it's, it's a sport is a, a sport and business. But to me, it's mainly, yeah, it's mainly a sport, but you can see the business side of things. Yeah, I'd say um, definitely similar um, um, to me. Only difference is that- I grew up like in South London thinking, yeah, no, I'm going to be a footballer. I want to, Jamie, I want to be exactly like Thierry Henry, like Fernando Torres. Um, obviously, with a knee injury, it didn't, it didn't work, it work my way, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely see it as like a sport. But also, like the business element of it is, as I've, I've learned over time, it's so interesting. So I see it more, more so as a, as a sport. But obviously, I also take into account the, the business side of things as well. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So just sort of talk to me about your journey so far. Obviously, uh, Shubs, obviously you you were working at Converse and then Matt, you're working at Mediacom and now you've you've started and launched Diverse Media. You're working with with clients like Alex Iwobi. Just, just sort of talk to me about why you started the, the gap in the market. We've previously obviously spoken about the 360 approach to, to sort of sports agency, the influence of, of the US sort of sports sports agency model over there. But just sort of talk to me about, about why you started it and, and, and how the business really works. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, like you said, so previously I used to work at Converse. So um, came out of university, um, was just looking for a role in, in marketing. I was given the opportunity for a program I was part of 2020 change so essentially it was meant to be for six months but I managed to stretch it out to a year because early on in, a, in my workplace when I was always thinking about ways of how I can turn this to a job essentially um so yeah I pitched for them to do like the first like UK Black History Month um early on in February after like the US did a 
until we all win campaign, which really inspired me to ask my head of marketing, what do we have planned for Black History Month here in October? Obviously, knowing that I'm finishing in June, but thinking if I'm able to pitch something that's in October, they'll keep me on, which is essentially what what they did. Um, so yeah, I was able to pitch the idea, was able to kind of get the idea across the line, was able to kind of stay on to after October to kind of just see everything kind of go through as well. So yeah, it was really good. And from there, bro, um, essentially, I just kind of saw that brands want to market to diverse audiences. They want to market to younger audiences, but their team isn't shaped off of it. Do you know what I mean? Like essentially when I asked the, the head of marketing at Converse at the time why they hadn't done a Black History Month in the UK before, he was very much said we haven't had the right person to lead it. And we know what that means. They really haven't had any... They they probably they had they had other black people in the team, but not that many, firstly, but also not that many people that are because I was young, I was an intern, I was just inquisitive, I just had fire in my belly, I didn't care about the hierarchy and stuff like that. So I was able to pitch the idea. Um, but yeah, they probably just didn't have people like me within the team. And I saw that that wasn't just Converse that had that issue. A lot of brands want to speak to these audiences, they want to speak to Gen Z, they want to be on TikTok, they want to do something for Black History Month, but don't really have the right people to do it. And then also when you're within the team as well, like in the corporate world, it's very hard to get ideas across, which is one thing I experienced. So I was like, brands listen to agencies because they'll give an agency a brief, the agency will come up with a bunch of ideas and they'll choose one. So I was like, maybe for me to be the change I want to see in the world, go through the agency route and then Matthew was also at Mediacom which we'll speak about but knowing Matthew growing like knowing Matthew and knowing that we kind of have marketing as a passion in common we could also go about and, and start an agency together so that's kind of what brought us to, to where we are but Matthew will tell you a bit more about his his side of things as well yeah so in terms of um my experience I like in fact how I got into this it's it's, it's similar but it's different at the same time um mine um, it re- it really started off in uni where like I was studying computing and I, I absolutely hated it. I was just like, what what am I gonna do? So obviously I just looked into different things, applied for MediaCom, um, and then during my time that I was on the the paid social team in charge of like the digital activations, and I was working under the Adidas and Reebok account, and a large part of what I had to do was essentially to help Adidas and Reebok achieve their digital goals, um, on social media, um. So I had to identify the target audience, but and then target them as well. But a large part of that is through the content. And like Shub said, something which I did notice was that, so these brands have these goals of who they want to target and, and what they want to achieve, but the content isn't speaking to their, their target audience. So essentially there's a, there's a disconnect. And with that disconnect, they're not age, able to essentially achieve their marketing goals. And it, it goes back to, to, to what Shub said. Whilst working there, I just noticed the disconnect. And prior to that, we had already spoken. We already had a, an interest in marketing. And we spoke about essentially starting our own agency because we, we both spoke about the disconnect. We were seeing it at both sides. Working under Adidas was, was pretty insightful as well because I got first-hand insight of how like, these big brands are running their campaigns. Um, and also gave me a bit of insight into essentially the the, the football world and, and, and other sports as well because we were running campaigns across other sports. Now that's 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 really that's really really insightful because I think the following question that I kind of had for that is, say for instance, I'm I'm, I'm kind of seeing it now whereby with some athletes they may sign for a particular agency who just handles their sort of on pitch stuff and the transfers and then they may sign for another sort of entity maybe like an IMG a Rock Nation or, or more bespoke sort of 
yeah. company to handle the sort of commercial social media branding sort of off pitch stuff. If I'm Alex Webby, for example, if I'm Marcus Rashford, or if I'm Paul, for example, why am I signing with you guys over signing with 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 someone else? What's the USP? Well, it's definitely, I think, for for us, and this is kind of with any any brand or or athlete themselves, we we are we are part of that audience they want to speak to. So we know what content works, best way to like create content that the audience they want to speak to will react to um as well. But also most importantly as well, we within the big organizations, it's easy for, for them to be a number, if you know what I mean, because they got so many on the roster, obviously at the space we're at, we still have like, so much capacity and we're able to really work hand in hand. You're not just going to have a account manager, you're going to have the whole team working with you in, in that sense. So in terms of everything we do with Alex, we're very much hands-on, if you know what I mean. So with athletes signing with us, that's the kind of same experience they'll get. And just in terms of the value that they, they receive as well. But yeah, I think also just having a, a forward-thinking team, a team that understands the market trends and what's happening and the change of behaviours, we're able to very much talent, we're able to to change and adapt to to these things and also create content and build a brand around that as well. And then also, like you mentioned, a lot of sports agencies are really good at the contract side of things, but not all of them are really good at the market side of things. And it's hard for agencies to have that 360 approach because one side is going to kind of be lacking it, if you know what I mean. And if I'm being real, the most important part is probably their player contracts while they're still playing football. But you also need to be building your brand on the side so you can future-proof your career and you can also leverage that opportunity you have as a top, like a Premier League player or like a Champions League player or whatever you are. So yeah, I think for us, yeah, that's kind of where we, we very much step in in terms of helping you with your commercial side of things, helping you build your brand and making sure you as an athlete are using that window of football you have. No, that's useful. And, uh, and Matt, that process of obviously signing, obviously your first sort of blue chip major client in Alex Iwobi, how did that process sort of really work and what was what was the pitch and how did it how did it all sort of come to come to fruition? So um it was um it was definitely easy in a sense because Subs knew Alex Awobi's kind of manager in a sense. Like he's um he's he's close friend who kind of manages a lot of his outfield things and they had that relationship. And how it, it worked was Subs built a lot in, in public. Subs is actually the key. I'm I'm bigging him up a lot because he was actually the key cog here when it got to when it comes to like signing and when it came to signing Alex Awobi. Subs builds a lot in, in public. If you guys don't don't know, check out his newsletter because he actually posts like a newsletter every week. So he builds a lot in public and um, saw what he was doing and um, saw what he was building, and then we had kind of we had like a chat and spoke about like the strategy um, um for like Alex Awobi, what we think he could do, um, and then through there um we kind of put together like a quick um presentation. First, it actually started off with helping him um with his website, um creating a website, and then from there and um, we managed to to build onto that, um and then it went onto like the content side of things, um um and helping with Project Seventeen activations and whatnot. Um, but our, our kind of our, our first way in was initially through like networking and, and the, like, the importance of networking and actually building out in public. Uh, like it, it done wonders for, for us at the start because because of the work Shubs has done, it, it helped us essentially build that relationship with um, MB. And then from there, we just created a website. And then from there, we started. Um, they saw what we could do with the website and then we started working on other things like content. 
Yeah, no, because I checked out the website and the website the website was looking clean. It was it was looking clean. And um and yeah, because even even I think linked to that, I linked to some of the stuff that you mentioned there in terms of but I think one of the things you mentioned there, Shibs earlier, was future proofing uh, the career of the athlete and obviously focusing on the playing side. Just sort of talk to me because recently you both went to Crystal Palace, did a little session there with the academy players there in terms of giving them advice in terms of building their brand as they're sort of playing and building their careers. I think it's something that's so important. I speak to a lot of people within the player care side of an academy football and I talk about not only just focusing on the football side, but players have time outside of, of yeah. training and they have the downtime to really think about this stuff. Talk to me about some of the learnings and some of the nuggets that you were given these, uh, these players. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah, firstly, shout out Crystal Pass as well, because they're in terms of like player care, they do they do a great job. And they just kind of really wanted to educate the players a lot more around not just football, but also life as an athlete and all the other things. And also just teaching them about other stuff in the real world as well. Um, I feel like from our background, obviously being marketeers, we very much see the power of athlete marketing. We see it day in and day out. But as Young athletes, you're just focused on your career. You're just focused on playing your next game and playing your to your best of ability. And not everyone has someone in the corner who's very much clued up. Like for example, a lot of them first generations, their play their their parents don't really know much about sponsorship or or working with a brand or what a good deal is. So essentially, the work we're doing with Crystal Palace Academy, and we're also really working on getting it to to other academies as well, whether it's the under 18s or under 21s. Um, it's very much showing them what an athlete brand is. So obviously seeing LeBron James, seeing Marcus Rashford, all these things come from them being intentional about building an athlete brand. So it's asking these young guys what they want to be known for, what they're passionate about, what they care about, and also how they want to be pictured in, a, in, in the real world as well and how they can go about that. So yeah, very much asking them these questions to kind of get their brains ticking and kind of start thinking about these things, but also what a good brand partnership is, showing them that it's a two-sided partnership, showing them that when before getting into any kind of deal, make sure you that's something you can keep to when you sign to the agreements, make sure you're able to kind of keep the brand happy, but also make sure the brand is a brand that aligns with you, those kind of things as well. Um, so yeah, very much teaching them about what an athlete brand is, how to go about building it, the importance of it. So also letting them know that you have a fairly short window um, in the spotlight and how you can really leverage that. So you're future-proofing your career, like I said earlier, but also now I'm thinking about your brand partnerships, who you work with, making sure you're making the right decisions for yourself as well, not just taking any brand deal that comes your way as well. And also just to add to that, showing them active case studies of, of players that are building amazing brands, like players they'll be able to relate to. Like, God forbid, you don't know when your your career ends. Like, for example, like, um, like the likes of a while back for Mamba, who had that heart heart issue, he didn't know that his his career was gonna end there. However, building the likes of your personal brand allows it so that if un anything unexpected does happen to you, you're able to have something to fall back on. So just to give like the likes of Mika Richards, mate, through building like he's like one of the best pundits, would say um. In the country right now, what he does with CBS Sports, what him and Thierry Henry, um, Car Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, to name a few, are doing, is because they've been able to build such a, a great personal brand. So just showing them essentially how building a personal brand can help you not um, not only now but years to come. No, for sure. I think I think that's really spot on, and I think some of the points that you both mentioned there, that whole point about authenticity, is, 
is so important and really, really thinking about those brand partnerships from early because probably one of the first deals that those sort of academy boys are going to sign is uh, is 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 going to be like a boot deal, for example. So really, really, really thinking about that sort of stuff. One of my favourite parts of the show, which is what the foot are you lying for? Who's going to go first with their free statements? I'll go first. I feel like Shivs is probably better. Um, but um, so cool. Uh, I used to play football with um, Reese Nelson and... Ovier Ajaria growing up. Uh, we delivered an athlete branding workshop to Crystal Palace youth team. Yeah, <laughs> you changed that one, man. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. Ch- that's a copper. It's a copper. I'm gonna change. You know it. what? I do my research in it. I do my yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm gonna change that one. Um, I have three brothers. Um, and then the last one. Um, we're doing an athlete branding event with Maverick Carter. Later this year. Oh, so the first one. So, so, so the first one you mentioned that you're from South. Reese Nelson is from South, so I'm gonna say that one is true. Um, Maverick Carter. Right. If you if you lot did an event with Maverick Carter, you guys better have me there doing some hosting or something, man. Definitely. <laughs> Maverick Carter, do you know what it is? I know you boys are outside and you boys are doing stuff, so I'm gonna go with that one. I'm gonna go with that one as true, and then the the middle one because you said four and then you said three. I think you were you were hesitating. It. I'm gonna go with that one as a lie. Um, but yeah, we'll find out towards the end. Shubs, uh, take me away with your ones as well. Uh, your one as yeah. well. Sweet. Um, yeah, Matthew came through with that one, but yeah, so we did a activation that fed about sixty thousand kids. Um, in the past, um, I used to play for West Ham's academy, but I didn't. I wasn't offered a pro uh, when I was younger, and then also I went to Nigeria with the Nigerian team for Afcon qualifiers um, in the past as well. Uh, the first one, the activation at Fed sixty. And I know you do stuff with food banks of Alex. So I'm gonna say that one is is true. The middle one was remind me what the middle one was again. I used to play for West Ham. Um, West Ham. Yeah. I feel like ev- everyone's got a story about playing. If you're from East, everyone's got a story that's about West Ham or something. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> something's um, not adding up. So, too many people have stories. Something's not adding up. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say that one is is a line, and I'm gonna say the the Afcon qualifiers one is true. But uh, but we'll find out towards the end. But cool. yeah, guys, obviously you, you guys recently dropped your Gen Z report. Obviously, you worked there with with Jay from Imagine Insert, someone who I, who I got a lot of time for and, and, and yeah, a lot of respect cool. for Jay. Big up Jay. Uh obviously the guys from Footballer Fits and uh Bay T squad as well. Yeah. I think just even reading the reading the report for me, the, the main thing I kind of took it took from it is one of the big things I've been saying for quite a while, actually. And I think we've even spoke about this before, Shibs, is that I think that we're it's a really exciting time and space whereby I don't think within the football context, we're really leveraging the content space enough. And I think reading that report, what I really took away was that there's so many opportunities that, that are going to exist and that lie in the future from a content perspective, especially in, in a non-live setting whereby the football's only on certain days a week. But outside of that, we're all consuming Vibe with Five, the Overlap, Talks, all these different platforms there. And there's just so much space for... For clubs to do more, athletes to do more, 
through, through obviously coming up with the report yourselves, where do you think those opportunities really lie for, for those people that I mentioned there in terms of starting off with the clubs? Yeah, no, um, no, definitely, definitely agree with everything you said. I think for us as well, I think clubs are now understanding it a lot more in terms of um, fans are buying more into players than the club itself or like fans want to see more about their players. So now we're seeing clubs do like a 24 hours with, with a player and stuff like that. But yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of showing the fans what they're not going to see regularly because yeah, they can go on your socials for match updates and stuff like that. But where can they see the real nitty-gritty or the more interesting stuff around what this player gets up to and what their family life is like or what their downtime is like or what their other hobbies are? Because one thing, like, just due to how things have been in the past is we only see players as football players, but we don't see them as human beings. So how can brands or organisations humanise these guys by showing us the behind the scenes, showing us their stories, their kind of personal side of things as well. So I think that's a that's a huge opportunity there as well. But also, like, like in the report as well, just another nugget that was there is more about partnering with communities and whether that's community partners, like a like a community grassroots football team, like Bay Tees and stuff like that, kind of making the content more interesting because once again, you're humanising the club. The club is not just seen as a, as a huge organisation, but you're seen as a, a, a community of people, a group of people, coming together wherever that's the players or wherever that's the community players as well. So clubs kind of partnering with these grassroots teams to create more niche content that would really speak to these audiences and get a reaction that they want as well. Yeah, just to add to that, like I feel like too often, um, especially within football, um, we are seeing like some clubs like do it really well when they're starting to show the personality of them, like like Brentford, Crystal Palace. But I feel like often in terms of like some some clubs and organizations like there's just no identity behind the organ. Like when you like, uh, for example, when you think of like the likes of like maybe the, the FA or like any like organizer, you don't actually think of personality yeah. per se. You just think of like an organization. Obviously, you know what they do, but it's like, what is the culture within that organization essentially? What is it like? How are they like essentially? What's what is the 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 vibe like? I feel like these are all very very important things, and the key to doing this is is through essentially partner up with community um grassroots teams but also players as well like fans um gen z specifically the the first point of contact for a lot of um for like fans gen z is is the players essentially like no i think i think that's a really good point it's a point i actually spoke with toby for the um brand director for jesse lingard i spoke with toby when was that? It was I think some point last year. And even even I was saying a similar point where we're we're seeing the shift in football now that we've seen the NBA, whereby mm. people follow the NBA because they follow LeBron, they follow follow Luca, they follow Steph, they follow these individuals. And in football, we're sort of seeing seeing those sort of seeing that sort of thing happening now. Beyond just oh, I'm a Messi fan, I'm a Ronaldo fan, actual particular particular sort of Premier League players. And I, and I think another big thing we're seeing now, which is what you guys mentioned in the report. Is is the rise in influences and 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 the rise in in clubs maybe doing stuff with influences the rise in players doing stuff with influences and, and also I think recently we saw Alex do that break time with with Michael Dapper which was which is really really good engaging yeah. content and 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 I think that space is really going like I think wasn't it Speed that was in the Sky Sports studio yeah. with uh with uh, with with Jamie Redknapp and uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. No, definitely. Like these influencers are also football fans 
as well. And there's so much that they have in common. And once again, going back to humanizing these players, seeing them interact with other, as silly as it sounds, other humans as well, like really shows them in that kind of space where they're just normal guys. They just managed to build a really good football career as well, but they're just like everyone else. Like, for example, every time we're out with Alex, we or even that we chill with Alex, we know that he's just one of us. Do you know what I'm saying? And a lot of people kind of tend to forget because they're 11, they're part of the 11 players on the field that Saturday or Sunday or Friday or whenever. So, yeah, it, it's so important to, to partner with these influencers as well, but also clubs can also leverage these influencers' platforms and their audience and their fan base by collaborating with them as well and inviting them to kind of do content that is natural to them in, in that sense where it doesn't seem too manufactured or seemed like in a sense where it's being washed down. So yeah, to keep it as authentic as possible, clubs partnering with these influencers, but also giving them scope to kind of create content that is authentic to them and very much the same way they would do it if they were Twitch streaming or creating a YouTube video or TikTok essentially. Yeah. These these influencers and and, and content creators, they they complement the football experience. Like when like when I'm watching football, or when most people are watching football, ships can relate, is like I'm watching the game, but I'm also on, on Twitter or Instagram. I'm looking at like what the likes of Culture Cams are saying. What is he saying in the in the game? I, I want that multi-platform experience in a sense. And it's just so important because I feel like Culture Cams is just a great example. Um, because he's he's very authentic with his content. He's um insightful. Stoppage Time TV, if you guys don't know. Um he's very insightful, essentially. He does give some some good insight into the game, but he's also quite funny as well. So obviously watching football at the same time, he might he might say something like, Oh, you're gonna clock hype. I'm a Liverpool fan. So <laughs> he might just say press and hype. And it's just like it's just so funny. Because at the time Liverpool are losing, and it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, here he goes again. But it really does complement um that that experience. I feel like we're now at a time where like when you're watching football your, your full focus is not just on football you'll be on social media as well and you're you're kind of scrolling you're getting kind of like a social commentary alongside the in-match commentary and um, while you're watching the football and it just really enhances that experience so it's, it's just so important that brands organizations and um, clubs actually partner up with these content creators and influencers as well and, and use them because in a sense, they can they can bridge the gap as well, help bridge the gap by using their platform between clubs and, and fans. And they can do it in an authentic way, which is, as Shubs mentioned, ever so important. Yeah, because no, I think from reading your, your report, I think the two things that, that I think are going to really be the next two big things is that multi-platform experience that you mentioned, because how often are we watching the game you're in the WhatsApp group chats beating off, like everyone's in there, everyone's in there talking, chatting, you're going on Twitter, you're seeing what's happening there, what people are saying about certain plays. And another thing that I always keep on banging on about, and it's why, it's why I want the Premier League to become its own broadcaster. And I get that Sky has done amazingly well for the Premier League, but it's non-live content that like we're seeing it with uh, Welcome to Wrexham, uh, Sunderland Till I Die. Like people love these kind of shows and, like imagine you can have a, a, a platform whereby you pay for Premier League TV, you can watch all the games on there and you can see all these documentaries, all these different shows all on there 24-7. There's actually so much power in that. And like you mentioned, like a good example you mentioned was Wrexham. Like prior to them coming in and obviously they, they did a lot of like content creation, but prior to that, if you ask me about Wrexham, like I would have no clue about them. 
Now I even feel like I'm a Wrexham fan. They were facing Notts County just the other day. I said, I, Wrexham have to win. I want them in League Two. Just because just because of what they're doing, the content they're creating. And it's like, you're, you're getting fans from everywhere now. It's like you've got an, a whole other arm of supporters cheering you on. And Exactly that, just in terms of the, the power of content, um, like showing us the behind the scenes. People buy into stories. People buy into why people do what they do. And once you kind of get that insight, like like Matthew said, you want to see Rex and win, even though I don't know much about Knox County or what goes on in their story, but... Hearing the Wrexham story and now seeing how much investment's going into it, you're also invested as a as a fan now. That's that's like a lot of people's like maybe second favorite, third favorite team now or their national league team and that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, no, it, it's, it's super interesting. But even just seeing how still important um long form content is like docu series and stuff like that. Even seeing from the the drive to survive and the F one, like how much of an impact and how much of a case study that has gone to show for, for clubs. But yeah, there, there's a lot of stakeholders involved, man. There's a lot of people that would be pissed off if um, the Premier League start their own broadcasting channel. So it does get a bit complicated. But within teams as well, it'll be interesting to see teams now putting up cameras and just kind of showing us more behind the scenes and also taking advantage of these opportunities, whether they partner up with a broadcaster to do it or partner up with a brand to do it or do it themselves there's definitely a lot of scope there because fans want to see more we we consume so much content that we run out of things to to do or things to watch that we start kind of finding different things as well so yeah just clubs being able to kind of keep up with the demand is, is super important yeah and 100 percent. because even ever since ben foster's gone into um Gone into Wrexham, the the GoPro and the Go. I I love I love watching I love watching it and see. I watched it um the other day and and I could tell from the edit that BT allowed him to use some of their footage and commentary yeah. in that, uh, which I think was really good as well. Yeah, but I he's think working out boundaries down, man. Yeah. Like, even even so many other people can do that, but it's yeah. so interesting. Like one thing I I love as well from like once again like always kind of looking at what the US is doing and seeing what we can do here, like. I love the mic'd up when when players are mic'd up as well, whether that's in the NBA or in the NFL, just kind of seeing what they speak about and just kind of showing that more personality to them as well. There's, there's a lot of things that I believe the Premier League or, or um, different sporting organisations can very much apply from just how adaptive and innovative the, the NBA is or, or the NFL as well. And and before before we go on to um, your answers for 2 Truth one like one of the things that that was mentioned in your report and that I see Jordan put up quite, quite a bit is uh, free game fits. Yes. Are you, are you a fan of it? Do you, cause 100%. The, yeah, cause yeah. Big, the, the, big fan. Big fan. Is the interesting thing for me, a lot of the time you hear a lot of this stuff whereby let's have an all-star game, let's have a pre, uh, pre-match pre fits like the NBA, but then if you're, if you're a club, for example, like all of these clubs signed official formal wear partner deals yeah. that are worth millions and millions of pounds of like Montclair, Dior, so why would they forego those like that revenue added revenue coming in to allow the players to be more expressive to wear what they wear? Couldn't we do it in a context like I think AC Milan have smashed it with with Off White for example? Yeah, I think into it their Montclair thing looks really good. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's a way whereby we can. No, of course I think just, even back to the first question you asked is football, sport, or business. There's the business side of things that make things very complicated, if you know what I mean. It's not as easy as, yeah, just start posting pictures and, and stuff like that. But there's a huge, like, crossover between football and fashion. So how they bring it to life is will be very interesting. But I do feel like 
yeah, the NBA and the, the football of um the pre-game fits is super interesting just to see what they're wearing. And obviously platforms like Football of Fits do a great job showing the fashion side or, or fashionable side of players, even the deep dives, the covers that they do, great, great, great work they're doing over there. Um, but yeah, in terms of seeing how clubs are able to partner with clothing brands as well, like the AC Milan and off fight is it's really good. So that there's different ways to do it, but as long as clubs are noticing that fans are also very much interested in fashion and also interested in what players were. And I remember when I was at Converse and this was one of my first conversations with like Alex and stuff like that was players, men, like young men, or for example, like someone like me and you, we don't really have influencers that were influencers in terms of our fashion, where we have like rappers or like football players or basketball players that will influence us in terms of the fashion we wear and what we buy and that kind of stuff. Players have that kind of influence, if, if you know what I mean. So with players being able to kind of work with different clothing brands and like you see Karen Bazima with all these other high fashion brands and stuff like that, the crossover is very real. So with clubs paying attention to that and seeing how they can leverage that in terms of bringing out... And also a lot of things is it's not for... It's a lot for the maybe like the casual fan or the fan that don't really know much about football in that sense. How can you draw them in closer by leveraging and pulling on things that they're interested in, whether that's fashion or whether that's food or whether that's another sport? How can you really bring in these fans rather than the diehard fans in, in that sense? Yeah, and that's what it's all about. And, and and that's some of the stuff I speak to, to other commercial agents about that that whole word about cross pollination and and almost like trading trading audiences with uh with with different people i think there's there's definitely a way a way to to kind of to solve it because i think like you sort of mentioned there with the business of football it's always a conflict in terms of okay how does this everyone wants this but how does it benefit each and every stakeholder yeah. uh but but no it's fascinating but yeah take me away with your uh, your answers please guys starting with you matt you were close um but yeah yeah so i do actually have three brothers um yeah you're you're right i used to play with um Reece nelson when I say play with, it's very recently. It was in the park. We weren't on the eleven aside. I'm from like I was really like it's like a quite a known estate in, in South. Um, and that's kind of where Reese grew up. So we, we used to play football in the park together. But by no means was I like right beside his teammate playing eleven aside. No, I wasn't I wasn't that good. I wasn't that good. But I was um, we've got we're doing an Afi Bannon event with Matthew Carter later this year. As in we would love to do like as in that is definitely that's on our on our on our, our vision board essentially, like and don't don't get twisted when we do have that you will be presenting regardless that like, we've got you um but yeah he's just been when it comes to like athlete branding like we look up to him so much in terms of what he's done with lebron um how he's helped build his brand from the deals like from the like we there's so many deals that we've done like we we, we research him and we look into what he does so so much there's so many deals we can name that he's done and it's just like wow the way this guy thinks is just crazy um and that's kind of how who we aspire to to be like so if like not if when when we do that event um which i'm sure will be soon god willing like sure to shout you and yeah um gonna be crazy no that'll be sick we'll have to shout rich climbing as well get get rich yeah, get as, well. as well Gara. as well he's definitely be there as well yeah now take me away with your ships yeah man even though i'm from east london i never played at west ham i i'm not uh football playing kind of guy. Basketball was all my sport. I do not have the feet for football. But yeah, like, 
I love I love football. I love the 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 marketing side of things, the branding sides of things. But yeah, I never had the opportunity to play at West Ham Academy. I didn't even I barely even made it to my school team if I'm keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was that was definitely my lie. Um luckily I had the opportunity to go out with Alex um when Nigeria was playing. Um I can't remember what team it was. This was in 2021. We were over there for the AFCON qualifiers and they they won the game. And then yeah, I managed, yeah, also luckily as well, given the opportunity to um to be involved with the activation with a Magic Breakfast in Hands, where we fed about sixty thousand kids in the height of the pandemic during a half term. So yeah, that's one of my like most um proud work I've done so far with with Diverse and with Alex and stuff. No, for sure. And we've kind of alluded to some of it so far, but the question I always end the show with is what the footy needs to change or happen within your space. I think it's down to just how UK culture is in general, but I think in terms of what needs to change is people accept players as human beings. Like they're no different from us. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things that you wouldn't do or things that you're not used to. But yeah, like I think a lot of the time players are very much discouraged to step out their comfort zone or to really show their true selves just due to the fact that they're scared of what the backlash would be. So I think be more accepting. Um, and obviously, I'm not talking about players going off the road, but I'm talking about a player starting a YouTube channel or a player starting a podcast rather than saying stick to football. Like, honestly, this is this is it, yeah. Players have so much spare time, bro. So much spare time. Players, so they're in training six days a week. They have one day off. They have one match day or maybe two match days, depending on what league they are or what club. But training is from about, not to give anyone schedule, but they're probably finished by 3, 4 p.m. Do you know what I'm saying? So they have 4 p.m. to say they go to bed at 11, 12. They have so much spare time and you don't want them going crazy. So like players should be encouraged to do more, to show, to find, to try more things, find other passions, other hobbies. And like when they start to post it and share it with the world, they should be accepted for it and they should be loved for it. And a minority does, actually, let me say a majority does, but there's always that minority that's always like, stick to football, mate. And football is a team of 11, not just one. So one player starting a YouTube channel, he could still be performing at his best, but the club isn't, doesn't mean he should stop everything else. Do you know what I mean? So I think in terms of what needs to change is that people just need to set players as human beings as well and let them try different things or let them post about their passions and not be scorned for it in a sense. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't like when they are posting about their passions and they're not playing so well, it's not there for you to then throw it back in their face. Oh, Rashad isn't playing well because he's feeding the kids or whatever. Like, you know, there's such silly things that you see when someone doesn't play well. It, it doesn't actually make sense. But what I'd, I'd like to see more of, um, I have seen it in some like of the, the lower leagues, to be fair, but I'd love to see, like, like you mentioned earlier, like maybe one of the players wearing like a, a body camera. Or like maybe like a um a mic. It would be great to see like what they're seeing. Maybe in, in like the I don't know if they'll be able to implement this in the Premier League. Maybe a lot of politics and whatnot. Uh, it would be great to see like maybe Virgil Van Dijk's like what does he see on the foot when he's defending or the likes of Haaland that, that the guy's a beast. Like what is he seeing? The ball has come to him. What is he seeing before he shoots and and scores? Like I'd love to see see more of that content because it would, it just adds something else, something different. Um. There is a player who's currently doing it. He plays at Wickham. Um, so shout out to him. I can't remember his name. Ah, oh. yeah, not, neither can I. But there was also another team that did it in. 
I can't remember, but yeah, the body body cam footage in, in football is definitely something that I think it was someone in the Bundesliga or MLS. Yeah. I know Vertonghen yeah. did the the mic'd up one in where's he playing now? I know Vertonghen did something similar and I watched him. It was, it was really, really insightful. Really insightful. Um but yeah, no, Shubs, Matthew, thank you for coming on the, on the What The Footy podcast, Diverse Media. I love what you guys are doing. You've been in the Gen Z space, bringing new ideas to football. And hopefully over the, the course of the next coming years, we can see some clubs implement some of this stuff. And if anyone wants to know more, whether that's agents, athletes listening to this, rights holders, people at, at, at different leagues and competitions, definitely get in touch with the guys. I'll put their emails as well in the in the podcast description. But um thank you for coming on the podcast. No, most definitely, man. And thank you for having us, bro. Like honestly speaking, we listen to the podcast as well, man. And it was great to have a chance to come up here and, and, and chat with you and also like talk about like really important stuff as well about the, the football industry and where we see things going as well. So yeah, big up you for the work you're doing, man. You you've been going strong for for some time now. And even the events and the and the extras now it's it's great to see how far you come, man. So, so keep on doing what you're doing, man. It's amazing to see. Yeah, just to echo that same thing. Like, you're actually absolutely killing it. And yeah, it's been a pleasure to 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 be on this podcast after listening to it. It's just like, it's, it's a real, it's a surreal moment. So uh, thanks again for the opportunity. And yeah, can't wait to see um, what you have in, in store. No, I appreciate that, guys. Cheers. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. And if you did, give the pod a follow and a five-star review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. See you in a fortnight for the next episode. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school. Now it's a putting ass. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. So winning the league, let's just win this to appease the fans.